Welcome to Guarding Talk back on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you once again. What have you got for us? Yeah, good afternoon. I was up at my favourite solicitors at uh, Raymond Terrace on Friday and I looked up on their, their sort of shelving and I thought, oh, that's a cute little terrarium they've got, but it wasn't. That it was one of those St George dragons in a glass jar. A bit cruel, but I thought we'd talk about doing terrariums today and how easy that can be. Uh, Black-eyed Susan, a climber that's out at the moment, and red-hot poker to warm things up. Right out. And here's me thinking we're talking about dragons. Well, off we go. So we've got Graham from Rutherford. Looks like he's got some problems with curl worm. Good afternoon, Graham. How can we help you? Uh, Scott, I'm having trouble with um, uh, not curl worm, it's curl grub. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got two fruit trees in pots. Yes, that, that's not going to be very good for them. What, what's happening with them, mate? Um, the, the, the plants don't seem to be doing any, um, any good, you yeah. know. Is there... Is, any, I've been spraying the plants with um, pyrethrum. Yes, yeah. Um, it, it, will that kill the, the grubs down in the... Yeah, look, that, that's not going to kill the, the grubs down in the actual soil. Uh, unfortunately, Graham, you've probably got them in one of the worst places, and that's in, in a pot, because in a pot... Uh, the, these curl grubs, they're actually the, the larva of a, like a, a black beetle. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, a little Christmas beetle, one of those type of things. So they do a lot of damage. They turn into really big fat things and they're like a, a witchetty grub almost. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know how they taste. I don't know if I'd be, <laughs> if I'd be going and chomping on one. I don't think that'd be very, very tasty. Um, yeah. Well, they might be. I guess if you cook them, they could taste nutty. Yeah, that's right. Or, yeah. like, or like chicken. If we'll try it yeah. next week. Yeah. <laughs> we'll cook, cook one up. But look, they, they eat and eat and eat. And when they're in a pot, you've got a very contained root system and they are in there chomping away. They're having an absolute feast. What happens is the plant then just can't take in any nutrient. Uh, it can't take in any moisture. So you start to get a, a plant that starts to wilt, uh, possibly even yellow off. Uh, look, yeah. the only way to really get rid of them, uh, not spraying, unfortunately. You're going to have to, in fact, drench uh, down through the soil. You can try the pyrethrum if you want to. So mix some of that up in the watering can and yeah. uh, actually drench that right down through the soil. If you're not having any luck with that, you might have to go uh, you know, a little bit uh, heavier with uh, you know, some other sort of grub killer. But try yeah. the pyrethrum first. It's the safest thing to try and use, especially on an edible plant like your citrus. Yeah. Um, Mate, look, give, give that a try. Probably then in about a week's time, give it another drenching uh, and, and see what happens. The, yep. uh, if you haven't had any success with that, the only other real way to get rid of them uh, is that they will just go through their natural cycle and turn into a beetle eventually. But uh, if you're not having luck, uh, some people say you have to actually pull the plant out from the pot, get rid of, you know, sort of shake all the potty mix away from the roots and yep. more or less start again uh, with some fresh yep. potty mix and discard that other stuff because they are very difficult to find in there. Greg was earlier telling me another way to get rid of them. He found some in the bottom of his chilli plant. And how did you get rid of them, Greg? Stabbed them with a garden fork. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he might have been thinking about having a, having a feast on them. Who knows? Well, in hindsight, yeah. I probably should have now. Yeah, take the knife out with you as well. Straight to yeah. the frog pan. Yeah, so look, yeah. that, that's the way to get rid of them. Water and can, pyrethrum, drenched down through the soil. Uh, if no luck, then you do have to uh, get a little bit more uh, a little bit more fearsome with them and get rid of the soil entirely. Yeah, another question too, Scott, if I can. Yes. Um, I've got um, three um, uh, capsicum plants in the in the, the garden. Yeah. If you leave them long enough, do they go red? 
Uh, so you can get green capsicum and red capsicum. So it, it may be that you've only got the green variety. So no, they're not going to go red for you. Bit different to olives though, because people sometimes think you put in a black olive and a green olive, but you don't. You put in a a green right. olive, and when they ripen, they turn into black right. olives. Yeah, yeah, because some of these have. Um they they change in colour. Yes. They change in like into a, a, a colour, but they they like going rotten. Yeah, that that's what's happening. So they're they're not actually going to turn red for you, mate. Uh, it's they're a green one, so you just have to to pick them when they're still nice and firm and um, do whatever you do with them. Then salads, yeah. witchy yeah, grubs. Cause, cause when, I, <laughs> when, when I when I put them in, that was a red plant that I red seed that I put in. Uh, okay, and look, that that does happen sometimes. Uh, you know, seeds get mixed up, seedlings get mixed up, and uh, you know, you just get a, a mistake essentially. Yeah, so we just keep picking them green. Yep. Yeah. Right, I think. Thanks, Scott. Have a good day. You too. Thank you for the call, Graham. Appreciate it. Yeah. Bye. We've got Patricia now from Doyleson, and her fiddle leaf has got brown marks on its leaves. Good afternoon, Patricia. What's been going on? Hi. Um, I've got a fiddle leaf. Yes. And the bottom leaves have got big brown marks on them. Okay. Where is that tree? Have you got that outdoors or inside? No, I've got it inside. Okay, have you got it in a nice, well-lit position? Well, it, I keep having to chop the top off because it's growing. Like, it's about, oh, eight foot tall now. Oh, that's good. That's, that's, that's really good news. So you must have it in the right spot. Uh, so yeah. fiddle leaves do like, they, they will live indoors. Um, very popular indoor house plant. Uh, if you put them in the ground, though, be careful because they will turn into a massive tree, uh, you know, probably eight to ten metres tall. Uh, oh. Big root system, so never ever discard, uh, you know, by planting in the ground and think it's going to stay nice and small for you. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Okay. But, look, they, they do grow indoors, a uh, nice well-lit position like you've got. They don't necessarily like sitting in a saucer full of water, so uh, if you are going to keep them indoors, have a saucer under them, but just water enough so that it doesn't, you know, sit there and get all gluggy and, and horrid and wet. Uh, they don't yeah. really like that. Uh, but with yours, it sounds like it's been uh, how long? How long have you had it now? Oh, I'd say about five years. Okay, and are you getting new leaves coming down at the bottom of the plant, or are these just old leaves that are that are sort of browning off for you? Yeah, no, these I think are the old leaves because this is the second time I've cut the top off, so I've got brand new leaves on the top. Okay, so down the bottom. Um, there's sort of like two feet of no leaves. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, it's just the brown. They're just brown at the bottom, like... Yeah, yeah. Look, look, I'm thinking it could just be... It sounds otherwise you've got a fairly healthy plant. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking it, it's just that the leaves are old. Um, you know, I'm getting a bit older now as well. I haven't got brown <laughs> marks on me or spots on me yet, but, uh, you know, things are starting to break down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking that's just what's happening now. To, to try oh, okay. and fill, yeah, yep. to try and fill the plant out a little bit more. Uh, even if those sorry, and even if those leaves do drop off, you will get a new shoot coming out of there. But to try and keep the the plant filling out from the bottom more, just keep as you're doing, cutting it off at the top, and you're giving the message to the plant, hey, that if you want to grow, I'm not going to let you grow out the top here. I'm going, you're going to have to grow from you know, down the bottom if you want to make any new leaves. And so you're just almost training the plant to, to do a certain thing. Uh, okay, Yeah, right. so just keep on doing that. Have you fed the plant recently? 
Um, actually, I did about three days ago. Okay, but those le- brown marks didn't occur directly after feeding or anything? No, 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 no they've been there for a while now, okay. yeah. Okay, so I think feeding's important with an indoor plant like that. Uh, like me, they get a bit tired as well, and, uh, you know, they do need some food, a little bit of nourishment to give them a, a, a rev up, so it sounds like you're doing the right thing with it. Just make sure you're feeding uh, you know, maybe every three months or so, three to four months, and that should keep the plant nice and healthy for you. Oh, terrific. All right, thanks, Scott. Okay, thank you for the call. Bye. Cheers, bye. And we've got Jan now from Macquarie Hills, and she's got a question about passion fruit vines. Good afternoon, Jan. How can we help you? Um, hi, Scott. I just wanted to know, have you got to have two passion fruit vines to make them fruit? No, no, look, you don't. Uh, they, they seem to do it themselves. The bees just go from flower to flower. If you've got one of the grafted ones, they, uh, they fruit even more. Uh, look, I'd, I'd have to say, though, we're probably getting towards, uh, well, I, I think we are well at the end of passion fruit season now. Oh, yeah, because yeah, they get plenty of flowers on them, but the flowers just don't come to anything. And whether I don't know whether something's eating the middle out of them or not, but they get plenty of flowers, but they just... Uh, don't come to anything and the leaves fall off. Yeah, okay, that, that, off. that doesn't sound too good. We, I know we had a, a fellow a couple of weeks ago, similar problem. I, I recommended at the time some sulphate of potash to him uh, because sometimes the passion fruits get a bit optimistic. They put too much uh, you know, flour on there or it's just not a, sort of the highest quality and so they, it drops off. So if you get oh. some sulphate of potash and start using yeah. that in the soil... Um, you have to uh-huh. keep on using it regularly because it's it's one of those um, elements that actually uh, wash through the soil. So uh, oh, I, I guess you probably need to be using it every month or so just to keep build and build it up into the soil. And for oh. you, you could probably start doing it now if you wanted to, so that uh, when we come to uh, you know flowering season again in September, your plant's ready to go. Oh, good. Yeah, thank you. That's all right. Not a problem. Thank you for the call, Jan. Thank you. Cheers. Bye bye. We've got Steve from Cook's Hill, and he's got leaf miner in his citrus trees. Good afternoon, Steve. What's, what's going on with your citrus trees, mate? Well, I have three. Uh, Scott, uh, uh, good afternoon anyway to you. Hope you're well. Um, I have three citrus, one Tahitian lime, a Maya lemon in a pot, uh, and a blood orange. And I've been struggling with the citrus leaf miner. I've uh, sprayed them. I've cut I've squished, done everything I, I could think of. And I just heard you talking to that fellow before um, about drenching the ground underneath. Uh, I uh, Anyway, what do you got, mate? <laughs> yeah, look, that, that's not going to do much good, unfortunately, for the citrus leaf miner because they are a, a little moth that flies around, um, lays, it lands on the, on the leaf, and then it lays its eggs there, and then those eggs hatch out and the weevil goes in between the the membrane of the leaf, and that's when it does all the damage as it feeds away in there. Um, what have you been spraying it with, Steve? Uh, well, just some stuff I got from Bunnings uh, that was suitable for it. Um, it's actually in the garage. I can't give you the name no, of it. No, no, look, that, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, look, the, the only real way to, to keep it under control is doing that uh, by spraying. I suggest a, a product called Eco Oil. I've used it myself quite extensively in the past. And uh, the reason I, I recommended it, look, it is completely natural, so there's no issue with withholding periods on any fruit mm. you might be getting off the plant. Um, and what it does is it forms this, uh, you know, almost sort of sticky oh. barrier that the, the moth lands there 
um, lay, it either doesn't like to lay its eggs or the when the eggs hatch out, the citrus leaf miner weevil just doesn't like going through it. But the trouble with it is you have to be very, very persistent. Uh, look, I would say, you know, spraying it every week, uh, up in under the leaves, misting all around and keeping that under control. Uh, but you only really use it when the... the you know, this new growth coming out on the plant uh, when the the leaves are nice and young and tender. Uh, yeah. That's that's really the only time you need to use it. And citrus leaf miner in, in Newcastle is most prevalent from say January through until March. I, I did notice that it uh, it drops off uh, mm. uh, for a while, but I've done uh, what you said. I, I spray underneath and yeah. on top, and um, just when the the growth is new and, mm. and sort of that lime green colour. And man, I just. <laughs> I pulled out a few uh, in previous times because I just got sick of it and I thought I'll have another shot. Yeah. But, uh, three out of three all got citrus leaves and I spray and spray, cut. And as I said, I squashed them with my fingers, you know, and they just, I just can't get on top of it. I think I'm going to have to pull them out, mate. Yeah, look, unfortunately, they are just one of those little things. They're tiny, but they do so much damage as they make their way around, uh, you know, through the membrane of the, of the leaf. Uh, you know, you could wake up, you know, sort of in the morning and come back in the afternoon and they've done so much damage and it just stops the, the leaf maturing properly. Uh, you know, it still will harden up, but it's it's somewhat damaged by then. Yeah, so, it doesn't grow after that. And some are so uh, twirled and damaged that you just cut those bits off. And yeah. It looks like a scarecrow. And uh, uh, if it's like a year and a half, two years in the ground and it's still doing that, I, I can't see much hope for it. Uh, I, I literally... The only thing I haven't done is, they say, when you cut the bad bits off, um, you put them in a plastic bag. I, I didn't do that. I put them in the green bin, try to cover them with you know, other refuse. But, yep. um, and, look, and, and, and in a way, that's good enough, Steve, but it, it might not be your fault, mate. It, it could be that you've got some neighbours you know, you know, or people in the area. I'm not saying anything disparaging about the, uh, the good burgers of Cooks Hill, but uh, you know, they, it could be that you've got neighbours who aren't doing the right thing. They've got a big you know, lemon tree or something in the backyard, uh, you know, and it's just running rife in there, and the moth goes, oh, thanks very much, and they go off to you know, a yeah. different area, and they find your nice plants there, and, uh, and off they go. So, um, look, you're doing all the right things. You can't really do more than you're doing. You're spraying, you're cutting off um, any affected growth. Uh, it's either, I guess, just keep on being persist, you know, persisting with it or, or unfortunately give up. But like I said, it's not necessarily your fault, Steve. It could just be... Hey, look, uh, I'm just down the road from you, actually, and um, Harris Farm is just up the street. So I, I think that's an, an alternative as well. Just go up there and buy a couple of lemons. <laughs> look, it, it, it could be, it could be. Uh, they, uh, yeah, I, I always taste better when they come off your plant, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I won't stop you going and doing that. All right, mate. Okay. Uh, thanks very much for your help. Good news, Steve. Thanks for the call. Bye. And we've got Rod from Anna Bay, and his lemon tree bark is splitting. Good afternoon, Rod. What's happening with your lemon tree, mate? Um, well, mate, it looks like the bark is splitting. There's also like little white spots all on it, but it's only on the, would you say, the western side, which is actually where the, the beach and the sand comes from. Okay. I'm not far from the sand dunes. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you get that western wind, wind back up off the beach too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, look, that that could have something to do with it um, being being so close. Uh, mm-hmm. The other thing that happens with citrus tree, and it could be the little white spots you're seeing, is they get a thing on them called louse scale, uh, 
And it doesn't look like much. It almost looks like someone has got some sand or, you know, some salt and sort of sprinkled it up and down the trunk of the tree. But each one of those tiny little white dots is actually a little insect uh, with a little shell over the top of it. And it's there going, thank you very much, and sucking the sap and all the goodness out through the bark of the tree. And that's why you might be getting that splitting uh, like you're getting because it's just drying out from these, you know, hundreds of thousands of these tiny little insects just there, you know, sort of having their go on, on your tree. Uh, so really you do have to try and get rid of those and uh, as, as a first measure. Uh, so I would be getting uh, some sort of scale uh, insecticide. Uh, you can use some eco oil or white oil if you want to, but you probably without louse scale need one of the uh, insecticide, uh, one of the insecticides that have a mixture of, uh, you know, white oil and say malathon and spray that uh, over uh-huh. it. As to the splitting bark, you really do need to try and seal that up somehow. Uh, there yeah, is, but... yeah, there is a product called Steri Prune out there. It's like a, a black tar-based paint. Uh, you can uh-huh. get it in an aerosol or you can get it in a, a little tin. And I always say go the tin um, because I like—I uh, don't like the idea of the aerosol clogging up and sort of wasting it. Uh, uh-huh. So get the little tin, just get one of those cheap paint brushes. And wherever yep. you're seeing the splitting, just go and paint that on there. And it, it just seals it up nicely. You can't get any more pest and disease going in the bark. Uh, and it, it just you know stops anything else happening, you know bad happening to the plant. But you do need to get rid of that scale first and uh, then get the steri prune and try and uh, seal up any of those wounds. Yeah, okay then. Yeah, well, it usually gets plenty of water. It's in the, on the sand, but it yeah. usually gets plenty of water during the summer. Yeah. The, um, you know, I've got sprays going. Yeah, and, look, and, it should, and it should love that because citrus don't necessarily like having wet feet. They'll soak up, you know, they like a bit of a drink, but where you are with the sand, uh, uh-huh. it will just drain away for you. So they'll take what they need or what they want and yep. uh, they're in a happy uh, happy situation. Yeah, it's, well, it gets a bit, the th- uh, skin a bit thick yep. on it, um, and I feed it once a year, but, um, well, it's been there for 20-odd years. So. Okay, okay, so it's getting, getting oh. a bit old, and that could yeah. also be contributing to the, the bark splitting. Um, okay. Yeah, like I was talking to Jan before, you know, we're all getting a bit older, and, you know, that's mm. when things start to go wrong. And, Tell me about it. Yeah, when you've got a 20-year-old tree, especially a citrus tree, uh, you know, that can be contributing yep. to it as well. So sometimes just a good prune back uh, freshens a plant up and, uh, like I said, just sealing up any of those wounds on the bark. Yep, okay. Then the other question, well, I've got another one, is, yeah. is I've got a, I'm in Taralba now. <laughs> okay, yeah. And uh, uh, I've got just black, like black soot on a um, kaffir lime mm-hmm. on the leaves and that is, is what's, what would that be? Yeah, so in, in, in the pot, but it's just outside. Yeah, so in, in fact, you've got uh, what we were talking about before. You haven't got louse scale exactly, but you'll have some sort of scale on there. Uh-huh. Uh, and what happens is that the scales on there, happily, you know, doing its thing, it secretes this sort of, uh, you know, sweet residue, uh, uh-huh. and the ants come up from the soil and to feed on that uh, residue from the scale. Now, with that, they bring up sooty mould spores from the ground, and that's why you've got that uh, black all over the plant. Yep. So, unfortunately, yeah, we answer there too. Worthy. Yeah, so that that's why. So again, you've got a two-pronged attack here. Uh, mm-hmm. You need to get rid of the scale first. So okay. if you've got some of that scale insecticide, you're going to get for uh, your mm-hmm. plant up at Anna Bay. Uh, and then you also need a fungicide of some sort. Now, you can use, uh, I, I would suggest using copper oxychloride on that. Uh, uh-huh. So you do your scale insect, um, you know, one day, wait a couple of days, 
and then do the sooty mould um, treatment with the copper oxychloride. Um, uh-huh. mate, then you probably wait a week and do the whole process again. Okay. Yeah. So, you'll, right fi- you'll find that sooty uh-huh. mould, once it, uh, it's dead and dries, uh, dries off, it just sort of flakes off. Uh, you can even hose it off if you want to, but it just tends to flake off and go away. Uh, okay. And you have to get rid of that because you're in this vicious cycle where uh, that sooty mould's all over the plant. Uh, it's not photosynthesizing properly. It's getting sicker and sicker. Uh, you know, it's not getting enough you know, sunlight. It can't do its thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you get into this sort of death spiral with it that you have to try and get the plant out of. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, not a problem, Rod. Thank okay. you for the call, mate. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, bye. We've got Gail from Warrabrook, and she's got a question about camellias. Good afternoon, Gail. How can we help you with your camellias? Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I have a beautiful camellia bush. It's now about five foot tall in the garden, and it gets loaded with buds every year, but nothing flowers. So clearly it's lacking in something. <laughs> yeah, look, camellias are a little bit guilty as charged, actually, for doing this sort of thing. Is yours one of the bigger flowered ones, the japonica, that's coming out now, or is it the one that's flowered probably uh, two months ago? No, it's the japonica. It's, yeah. It's- should be flowering now. Yeah, yeah. okay. So japonicas are, I guess, the, the most guilty, even more guilty than the Sasanqua camellia. They just oh. put on too much bud. So you often hear people, uh, you know, they'll, they'll ring us up at this time of year and ask the question about that, and it's called disbudding. So what they'll go and do is they'll go through and actually thin out the number of buds on the plant to, because they just get a bit optimistic and put too much flower on. So they, they'll thin out the buds to give you know, the, the flowers remaining uh, greater nutrient um, to try and survive and just stay on the plant longer. Right, okay. okay. I thought I was doing something wrong. I was thinking it's missing something. What do I need to add to the soil? So, no, that's, now, that's very reassuring to you. To that, that's yep. all right, Gail. Now, the other thing you can do is get some sulphate of potash uh, yep. and mix that up and water that in around the plant. Now, if, right. as for now, it's not going to have much, uh, you know, you know, utility now because the flowering yep. season's, you know, we're underway. Yeah. But you would start using that monthly around the plant. Okay. And then yep. when we get around to this time next year, it'll be a much stronger plant. It'll have all that sulphate of potash in there, making the bud and the flower a lot stronger. Uh, and yep. if you do some disbudding as well, uh, mm-hmm. then uh, all, all will be well. You'll get a, a much stronger plant uh, and much stronger yep. flowers that remain on the plant for you. Okay. Thank you very much for your help. That's great. That's all right. Okay. okay. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. You too, Thank girl. you very Thank much. You. Okay. Bye-bye. We've got Sandra from Brightwaters. And her mandarins have got brown spots on them. Good afternoon. Hello. Yes, hello, Sandra. How can we help you with your mandarin? Well, we've, we've got a problem with them in as um, there's quite a, a few fruit on there, but they have a, a spot on them. You can see some of them have a, a brown spot, um, and then when you open them, they, they've just got grub in them. Well, yeah. Some of them, you can't see that brown spot, and it, it's still got grub in it. And... Um, Someone said that it's a wasp that comes along and um, does that. So they must have been a busy wasp because they're just about in all of them. Yeah, it's it's look. They're they're actually when I when I uh, you first spoke to you, I thought it might have been there is a fungal disease called brown spot uh, that mandarins get. But as soon as you mention the word grub, uh, it's not going to be a fungal disease. Uh, look, it may be even that you've got fruit fly uh, that's uh, coming in and stinging the plant. 
uh, and just you know feasting away in there. And that's often what happens. You get these little brown spots where the fruit fly has uh, come in and actually done the sting, and that little area then dies off. But later on, you find that there's a grub uh, in there. Now, if the best thing for you, Sandra, is to be trying to pick off that fruit and discard it, get it, get rid of it, um, because once that grub hatches, the whole cycle just starts again, and uh, they'll just be back to your place. So. Uh, I would think any of that uh, infected fruit now, you are really best to get rid of, put it into plastic bags, uh, get rid of it in the garbage, uh, just to try and control it for next time. Now, you will now need all to... Of, yeah. All of that fruit that's on there, you think best to go. Yeah, look, truly it is. If, it, if you're seeing you know, that uh, affected fruit with the sting on it, uh, then it is going to be time to get rid of it. Just The problem will just exacerbate for you next year. Uh, and you need to then next year to be spraying generally for fruit fly with a pyrethrum spray, but also setting fruit fly traps as well to try and get rid of the female fruit fly and break that egg cycle, that breeding cycle that they've got going. Yeah, so what time of year is that then that we need to do that? Yeah, so with mandarins, they should be, you know, ripening up uh, now. So I would say, I'm just doing a quick count back here. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, in around February. Uh, it's when you see the small fruit starting to set. That's, you know, and getting a little bit larger. Uh, and I hear stories of, uh, you know, mandarins or in generally any citrus being still hard and green and, and having fruit fly sting in there so you need to get in early and try and control it uh, around your plant so as soon as you see the fruit starting to set uh, even before it's changed color it can still just be small and green that's when you need to start generally spraying with pyrethrum and using fruit fly traps to try and keep it under control all right well i heard that other gentleman say about the spit on his trunk or tree yes these these trees are probably 20 years old um but what we've had, to, what we've found is the spore of the citrus that we have there, and they've had a dead patch. Like so, we've had to cut whole branches out of these trees. But this particularly mandarin has a split down right at the on the ground area. There's a split probably um, a centimetre wide, going up to about four centimetres. Yes, yes, um, yes. So is that a combination of that as well, or is that the tree actually? Yeah, yeah, look, that's that's the tree just being old uh, and and the bark splitting. Uh, Often you can give a citrus plant a very, very heavy prune back and it just makes the plant, uh, you know, a lot happier. You get fresh growth coming on there. And, uh, you know, I I remember, uh, you know, seeing a documentary, in fact, uh, a few years ago when there was, you know, terrible drought. Uh, you know, out uh, in, uh, you know, sort of western New South Wales and farmers to uh, save their crops were actually cutting, pretty much cutting the citrus trees off at the ground oh. uh, just to try and preserve that rootstock in there through the drought. And then when the, once the rains came again, then the plant would grow back. They had, I guess, all the foundations in there the infrastructure of the root system to, you know, get the growth going quickly. So it wasn't as if they were starting again, but they were, you know, saving the plant. Now, I'm not suggesting you cut your plant back quite that hard, um, no. but certainly a really good hard prune back might be the way so to go. go half, we could go like, what, a, a metre or a metre and a half off the ground with those plants? 
Yes, would be all right. yeah, you certainly could do that. Uh, and uh, look, that's not going to be uh, t- too much for a citrus tree. So a good heavy prune, you'll get fresh new growth. Uh, the other thing with the citrus trees is that the uh, the fruit's always up the top of the tree. So it becomes, as the plant gets older, it becomes harder and harder to actually manage the fruit and even pick it. Uh, often it drops onto the ground, it starts to rot, you get fruit fly in there like, like you have got. Uh, so keeping your plants down to a manageable level is not a bad idea. Oh. And can you, like, keep, um, say, two or three stems, you know, uh, stems going out or trunks going out and, and, and cut all the other offshoots off that like you do a rose? Or Yeah, look, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. It uh, keeps a nice shape. Uh, to the plant, keeps it hollow inside as well so that there's a bit of airflow. Um, but look, I guess that just comes down to plant-by-plant plant basis and uh, without seeing it exactly. But certainly, if you can just keep it into a nice shape, keep some airflow through the middle, uh, not a bad thing to do. All right. Appreciate your help. That's great. Thanks okay. for that. Thanks very much Thanks. for that. Bye, Bye. Bye Sandra. Thanks, Sandra. It's Guarding Talk back on 2NURFM. Scott Sharp, we are almost out of time again for another week. Oh, that's gone Flying so quickly. By. Yes. I wanted to hear about these dragons. Well, it wasn't dragons at all, was it? Well, it wasn't a dragon tree in a terrarium, but uh, the, poor, the poor solicitors up there, they had, it was in there for a reason. We might even talk about that next week, but we'll definitely talk about uh, making terrariums. Right, yeah. And anything else you want to go before you tuddle off? Well, there's a fantastic uh, climber out at the moment. It's called Black-Eyed Susan. Uh, people have probably seen it. It's a really bright orange little flower. It's a type of thunbergia, uh, but it has this, I guess, black sort of throat in there. So it has this beautiful contrast of, of colours. Uh, very easy to look after. You can grow it from seed uh, flowering at the moment. Excellent. Scott Sharp, speak to you next week. See you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.